And welcome back to Richmond Tiger Talk. My name's Nick. And I'm Andy. And Nick, we're often accused, and we accuse ourselves of often burying the lead in our podcasts and mm. sort of focusing on, on some obtuse nerd topic before we actually get to the point. No, I don't want to do it this week. I just want to say, I want to start by recognising the pure football joy that is watching Morris Rioli Jr. play football. That was mm. so much fun. That was so much fun. I was uh, thinking how much less fun the uh, and look, other people go on about the selection of the Rising Star. And, you know, there's there's four good choices every week, but um, picking uh, Marcus uh, Windhager from uh, the Saints because he did a good job. Uh, tagging in a losing effort is not nearly as much fun as Morris Rioli Jr. was on the weekend. No, and look, whatever your takes on your club's wrong players, uh, your players' young players are probably wrong. Yeah, every, every, every fan always systemically overrates the young players. But in this case, it, it's not even the impact. It's just the joy of watching him play football. Oh, the sheer, the way- the sheer. The sheer excitement of it. Like, like. It, 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 as a two-way player who's as good to watch when he's defending as he's, and he's attacking, like it's pretty unique. I've, I was wondering, would we, would Richmond supporters feel the same if he was, you know, Wayne Smith Jr. rather than Morris Rioli Jr.? But Isn't that part so, of the magic, though? Yeah, I think it's part of the magic. But also... You know, most, uh, probably a majority of Richmond supporters have no uh, memory of, of seeing Maurice Rioli play. He's just a uh, a legendary name for for lots of people. So there's not a, they don't have a, a visual cue of, of what it was like um, watching his dad. But yeah, it's it hasn't taken long. Um, there's a real... You know, and the way the crowd just gets excited. Have you, hey, yeah, I, I'm struggling to think of another player where people get excited, so excited to watch him tackle. Mm, it's fun. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, I, go, I used to love watching Stewie Maxfield because um, he would do those long chases like that as well. But, you know, there is, I'm sure if they kept pressure points there, you just see. You only have to watch football from that area to see how less pressure there was in general. So I doubt whether Stuart was probably doing two of the chases a game that um, Morris was probably doing um, 10 to 15 of. Look, there is, and, you know, he was effective on the attacking end as well, but they were talking in the commentary about how it's almost giving away that he's chasing. That um, to, to <laughs> He's but, behind you. <laughs> but actually, I disagree because I think the pressure of that is it's more the inferred pressure of every single time you get the football that you know that this, this kind of intense chasing is coming behind you. I think that's should, actually more important than... Should, um, we be in, trying the, should we be trying the fake-outs as well and start making noise even when he's not even close? <laughs> that might be a bit... It might be a bit, bit difficult to get 70,000 people in a final to coordinate on, on that one, but... Um, uh, it's just it's joyful to watch, and and he's fun on the attacking end as well. That kick he did to shed, splitting through the middle of the MCG. Oh, lovely! <laughs> and, and and the fact that he still looks like he he snuck in to watch his older older brother play um, football. It, it's just it's it's part of his magic, and he's, he seems like such an un, unassuming kid. Um, it, it's 
in a in a game where um, Tom Lynch is you know kicked eight goals and um, yeah. um, by the way uh, Tom Lynch is is now they've only been keeping the stats since 2011 but is having the second best contested game contested mark per game season in the history of the the stat in the mm, history nice. of the stats behind uh, Travis Cook. Um, uh, thank you to uh, Nick Toss. I think for we've been talking about that that offline um, direct messaging on Twitter. Uh, that's the kind of if you slip into my, the kind of DMs <laughs> we get when people slide into yeah. our DMs. It's to discuss contested mark stats, and I'm I'm all here for it. Um, that's the kind of content I'm, I, I want. Um, but yeah, the, the, the fact that you could steal the Lynch show was um, pretty amazing. Mm. Yeah, three hundred and thirty-seven meters gained from twelve disposals. Like he was re- he was having. An impact every every time he got it, and quite a quite a few score involvements as well. Yeah, it was a, it was such a fun game, and I think that that confidence to um to try things and try and make things happen is uh, growing. It's really, it's really exciting. Um, I was thinking about watching him watching him play juniors, and that's one of the great things of the father son rule is you sort of you can track these guys uh, coming up, and the he was always good at tackling. Like he he had that ability to uh, drop his hips and drag players down when he tackles them. But the that the relentless uh, repeat um, sprint efforts uh, wasn't wasn't happening in those games. Um, it, it's a it's a credit to him. How much he's worked on his uh, fitness to to get him to the point. Like he he had more sprint efforts than than anyone else uh, on the weekend. So yeah, it's that how to he's put in the work to maximise his skills. And you know these comparisons can be over uh, too lightly done, but he does remind me of his of his nephew. Um, which I think we all know, all know is the other Rioli. Um, uh, he is the, the, with the repeat efforts um, and chasing down in the forward line. And it might be uh, be actually interesting to go back to see what what their attacking metrics are like. But the, it, that same ability to to sprint and sprint again um, in in the forward as a pressure forward is um, just the last person I can remember to do it so well um, is his nephew. So yeah, fantastic to watch. Mm. Good times. Um, you mentioned um, Tom Lynch, the the uh, I put him on it, Lynchzilla. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I've quite nailed it there, but it, it gets the um, what it was like. But the uh, I wanted to take a moment to reflect on how when he's kicking well, it looks like he 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 can't miss, and other games it looks like he can't hit the side of the barn. I was just about to. Nick, you, you know, we were uh, 29 points above our expected score mm. on the weekend, yep. and, and Lynch was the primary culprit, kicking eight straight. I was wondering, yep. our score, our score, having 13 score involvement sounds really impressive, but it's still a meaningful stat when eight of them are your own scores. On expected score, North Melbourne was a bigger win. Yeah, that's annoying. Um, that's really frustrating. 
<laughs> just uh, just uh, flog, flog ourselves. Um, <laughs> do a bit more penance for that. Um, look, look uh, what can you say? I mean, look, I, I, I know. My, now he's a first year coach, so he gets, and he's legend of the club, so he gets more latitude. But I quite like the way that um, Hawthorne um, played that game and left Sicily off Lynch till till very late. Or throw very against like. Sicily, Sicily's far too butt buff to be wearing long sleeves. I'm dead against that. <laughs> but um, you know, the, the the sort of they are experimenting. They're playing a young team. I admire part of what they do, and because so much so much coaching is is coaching to not get fired. And you know, one of the best ways to get fired is to really get blown out in games. You know, just mm. what's happened in Essendon over the last few weeks that you know one really bad loss against Port has has just set a cascading sort of. Uh, meant the Jenga blocks have all fallen down. Um, but yeah, the... Okay, he wasn't playing... He was playing against some pretty inexperienced guys, but you got to do it, and he did it extremely well. It was great to mm. watch. Yeah, the... It was hard to know if it... Is it... Look, I yeah, I agree. It's worth, um, from Mitchell, you know, giving, giving a younger guy's... A go like um, uh, James Blanick, uh, uh, I think he's a you know twenty-one year old um, mid-season draft pick out of their out of their VFL team. Um, the, then they they tried Denver Granger Barras, who's you know there was there was part of me thought that oh, but those kids are, are uh, low to mid eighties. <laughs> Uh, in in weight and yeah, they, they just look tiny compared to to Lynch. Like there's, you know, there's giving kids a go and then there's setting them up to fail. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, they've got the athleticism, but mm. oh, particularly Granger Brown. So I, I did I thought because he because he's he was the top rated key defender that uh, in the twenty twenty draft I picked picked six. Uh, Overall, and I sort of think, hmm, geez, um, I'd, uh, I'm, I'm happier that Gibkus is bigger than, bigger than that. Like, one, one ninety-five centimeters actually looks pretty small <laughs> compared to some of the, the monster, um, AFL forwards these days. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they're growing up in an era where, where the kings, king twins are going to mm-hmm. be the sort of the benchmark, and speaks for itself. Um, so. I, this is the point, Nick. I think we have to pay tri- tribute. Look, I think it's not an iron class rule, but if Richmond comfortably win the clearances, it's very hard to beat us because yeah, it's you know it's not our strength. So Some, something has to go pretty badly wrong in in other parts of the game for that to be the case. Yeah, and we were plus twelve, and that was built on the back of Prestia having eleven and Cochin having eight, and you know I think Prestia with sixteen um, contested possessions, which is two consecutive weeks of plus, uh, uh, his. He's plus fifteen and Cochin having seventeen. Um, just the, the the engine room was pairing. It was. It it looked great. And having those two as sort of the 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 grunt um, with Jaden Jaden Short and uh, uh, Shay uh, having cameos uh, as well with with four clearances each. I just yeah, it all it all fit together pretty nicely. Um, uh, and it's yeah the 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 team the team 
isn't perfect, but it feels like it's rounding rounding into some much better form towards the end of the year, and the mixture of you know the forward line having having Lynch back, um, you know Jackster Jack still doing his bit, um, the younger guys in in Morris Rioli, Junior Noah Cumberland uh, playing really well, um, the the old guys, um. Uh, uh, just battering in in, in midfield. <laughs> Feels like a pretty good combination. It does. I, I wanted to ask you uh, um, a bit at the end how this changes your overall perception of the team, but I, I feel like this is this is the kind of point that's made by every mediocre radio radio broadcaster after a good team beats up on a bad team, but I, I do think it's important here to acknowledge that it was a good sign that Bolton had a down game and we still won easily, mm. and, and he still found ways to contribute. Uh, it, it, it almost feels like an auto-generated point, but it, I think we should also acknowledge that Bolton's incredible run of form wasn't the best one. He was heavily tagged, but he still he still set up some some beautiful play. And as you say, um, his clearance was good, um, had a few good uh, attacking flashes, and actually was one of our top players on um, pressure points. So maybe that was because he was getting harassed all the time, but at least he was putting in a defensive shift. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the team defence... Uh, was good and and that you know when you you have you can only tag um, so many players so hopefully that that frees up uh, somebody else. Um, I like I like Tyler Sonsi's cameos both in both in midfield and in um, half forward uh, as well. Like that. Yeah. I, I thought maybe. Maybe it's coincidence because he he was just started uh, strong, but I thought he struggled a bit after he uh, hurt his because his ankle was it not? Um, yeah, yeah, he had a had a knock. Yeah, yeah he, he he was he was better early. Um, well, but, he had he had six touches in his first quarter and finished with seventeen, so he didn't disappear. But yeah, he was definitely his first best quarter was his best footy was before that knock. Whether that's coincidence or not, who knows? Mm. Um, I, I did think it was a personal insult to you that. Um, uh, um, do you remember last week that you mentioned that he got brushed? He, uh, Pal Pepper brushed him very easily in a tackle. Yep. Uh, he, he nailed a beautiful tackle. He got, he actually, in fairness, after that, um, got brushed again and, um, quite easily. But I did write down in my notes mm. what that happened. Uh, uh, Swansea, oh, nice, uh, if you didn't, for, for criticizing his <laughs> tackling style. I know. Big fan of the, big fan of the podcast, Sizzle. Sorry, yep. go on. He just looks like he, he looks like he belongs out there. That's the. Um, oh, Nick, Nick, we we need to. I need to. We need. Well, it's mainly me. Have an apology about our depressing, uh, terribly short list of great Richmond deal-sided players. And I acknowledge Joel Bowden, who wasn't even mm. uh, particularly. And uh, of course, Liam Cameron is the gold standard almost in mm. NFL history, um, not just Richmond history for deal-sidedness. But I think Broderick probably deserved to mention. Yeah, Broderick. Um, Broderick ba- as well. Baker is quite. Um, uh, dual-sided in the current team. And, you know, almost my favourite player on the, the current Richmond team, Marlon Pickett, is also, you know, can kick with both feet. So he is. I, I think Sonzi is in the upper echelon of using it effectively. But I, I feel mm. I feel that was... Uh, Apologise for a woefully inadequate discussion of dual-sided yeah. in, in the last <laughs> pod. Yeah, it was, it was spontaneous. I think what the younger... Having the younger players going well just... It makes it just makes the team more more interesting and gives it a much 
much higher upside. Um, totally. Even even Ben Miller in the ruck, who the who the AFL player ratings um, liked probably more than um, you would think from his disposal count. But yeah, kicked a nice goal. Competitive in the ruck uh, again. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I, I'm there's there's a sense of potential uh, that having these guys in the team ha- has brought that yeah I'm, I'm enjoying it yeah I mean real is case in point songs is that and mm. even um, Gibkiss continued his incredible run of managing to there was one time where he actually punched the ball well to the sideline and it still landed straight in the Blair's hands like he's just he has as I said he just has a, he has a knack of putting the ball where you don't want it to go, even even when he sh- it should have gone to the right point. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Oh, clearly, we're just noticing it, but, um, you know, it'll it'll come. Um, mm. but it's all, I, I did actually laugh when that happened this week. So, on the middle of yeah, the yeah. um, Oh, Gibkiss Gip- was pretty solid one-on-one. Um, yeah, I thought yeah. so too. But can, can we just go back to Miller for a second? Because yep. this may shock you. I've done some research. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so he, so you know, Nick, in his first seven games, for anyone who thinks that everything has a grand master plan and um, uh, the coaches know more about football than all the fans ever will, but also they react to new information and they, they're changing their plans all the time. There is no grand <clears> plan. For, in his first seven games, I mean, there are guidelines, but they have to react all the time. Miller had no hit-outs. No, um, he, he had more... Um, and a, and a much bigger sample. He had more hitouts on the weekend in one game than he, he did in um, the whole of the VFL season today. Indeed. Um, well, is that a bigger season? Would he have played more than seven games in the VFL this year? Uh, yes. This feels so like he, a. Um, this sense feels feels like an unnecessary rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> but you know, like the the structure thing, uh, the VFL sometimes has more rucks. Um, but either way, but. We weren't. We weren't yeah, using. He hasn't. He hasn't been playing. We've been playing lots of other guys <laughs> um, instead in, of him in the ruck, including Noel Bolter. Um, so he's been averaging. So, so the last two weeks are the only two weeks that he's um, he's truly second ruck. Um, he sort of got it. He it was sort of a, a switch by necessity um, the week before that. So, but he basically got a two game sample size. So tiny, in fairness. But he's averaging seven point five disposals, twelve hitouts, four marks, and he's kicked. Uh, one goal. So basically, he's averaging almost exactly what Soldo did. Um, now, he's played against two sort of spudly second rucks or, um, mm. you, you know, not, not true rucks. So it's still too early to say, which is to say it's still too early to say. He had a couple of very nice moments of skill, um, but there's not... Like, there's one thing that perhaps with the eye test, we think that he's getting them balled more than he is. Yeah, he's not really getting in a lot, even for a second ruck. Um, but yeah, as you say, there is promise, and that he did that goal he kicked. Um, mm. I mean, aside yeah, it was from a nice his, man. his facial expression nice. when he marked it, um, he uh, the, the mark was. He's got some coordination. Um, you know, I know that seems so obvious for an AFL player, but that <laughs> way he high pointed high pointed that ball was was not nothing. No, um, he gives more verse. He gives more versatility in that he can uh, play back as well. It it's really interesting. Like he, uh, you you look at his VFL stats. Um, Ten games, average seventeen disposals. Uh, 
he had four hitouts uh, across the ten games in total and one goal. So his VFL role has been um, as you know the the orchestrator of of the defence, um, and it's this is a completely different role. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do, I, I, I do worry that exactly, but I, I do worry that um, someone like Jackson will like just kill him in the stoppages, but. Look, yeah, but he's not. He's had moments of competence in at stoppage uh, as well. I mean, no, no, Jackson. No. Jackson probably kills everyone at stoppage. Like he's a, you know, he's a he was a national, uh, a junior national basketballer. Right? It's not a penalty situation. He was actually genuinely good at basketball. Um, and uh, yeah, so maybe it's an un, unfair standard, but. Yeah. Yeah. Look, he's been he's been fine in the ruck, and I what the the ruck contests I, I watched the most closely were the ones he was against Big Boy to see whether he was mm. he was competitive and not being dominated to the point where they're getting easy clearance uh, hitouts to advantage. And I didn't see any any evidence of that, but I'm I'm watching it closely for evidence either way. But I just like on the the few ones that I saw, like you said, he was competitive, but mm. yeah, you know, it was fun. It, it is easy when you're against Kazichi. Now, I think that's enough for the second ruck. Mm. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I think my bottom line is too early to make um, uh, conclusions. But, you know, obviously there's a little bit of um, bias there in my in my um, <laughs> observations on this yeah. topic. Now, just since we're talking about NAC, um, uh, rucks, I saw – so for a change, I think Nag actually lost his direct matchup, but – I was actually slightly heartened by the way he was jumping at the footy. For the first time in ages, he seemed confident to get knee-on-knee contact. So even though he didn't have a great game, I sort of came up more up on Nank than um, mm. sort of almost weirdly um, more excited about a game that was not as good, whereas um, the last a few weeks before, I was sort of, he's not looking good, but he's playing really well. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I thought they, McAvoy and Nank, maybe cancelled each other. Nank was doing a good job of directing his taps, I thought, but yeah, no, he, he was fine. M- McAvoy did, was a top-rated player, um, mm. according to champion data, but, you know, that look, I'm, I'm not going to... There are the, a few games last, but Nank's been usually pretty good on that measure, so I wouldn't... Yeah, that, that's partly because he had a lot of tackles, which is really Nank's fault. Um, the, I thought the... Defensive structure was very good for for big parts of the game, notwithstanding a, a, a fairly bruise free last last quarter. But um, both Pickett Pickett and Kmac on the on the wings both had seven intercepts each. Like the uh, the ball was not coming out easily. Yeah, Pickett especially was marking beautifully. Um, mm. Just the very there's just something beautifully old school about. It. He's such a well-rounded footballer. Uh, he's just—he's like a very classical wing uh, wingman, isn't he? Um, mm. and, uh, delightful to watch both them. Speaking of delightful uh, I, to watch, I, the, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the the Shane Edwards no look hand hand pass. I, re, I realize we're in the we're in the final days, but he did he did pull out a, a couple of the the greatest hits for us. Uh, uh, well, statistically, that that was. Absolutely, 
It was very much of the greatest hit. So he only had 13 touches, but he was in the top quarter of players on the AFL ratings, which is mm. actually yep. almost the reason Richard Shane Edwards. Yeah. We started using the AFL ratings because it was it, it loved Shane Edwards so much for the way he moved the ball into attacking positions and was so efficient with with his mm. ball use. And he still only had 13 touches, but he was able to influence so much. Um, yeah, three the, three goal assists. <laughs> yeah, and just like but. I mean, goal assists can go on. I, I hate goal assists as a stat because it's too high variance. But um, some, in this case, the some of what Shedder did was uh, um, just just really special and vintage. And he kicked a, you know, one of his snaps was just like proper Shedder, vintage Shedder. So the, the other side of it, I was going to say, Nick, I've got a theory, and it's probably complete crap. But you can just just allow me. I don't. I don't have any evidence for this. Uh, well, I've only got a tiny bit of evidence. But Ooh, just announce the romanticism. Um, like aside from aside from, we might recall that many people have noticed he, he got a, a late. Well, it was on the TV that he, he appeared to get a late knock, whether it be a corky or a, a mm. mild pull in his hamstring, and he went off for it. Wasn't looking good, and then apparently he was having quite a, a large argument with the physio staff on in, in on the sidelines. I'm not sure if it was caught on the camera, but people at the game told us. And so I wondered, Nick, and he, then he came back on and actually had a, another, who was in, involved in another very nice passage of play towards the end. And I wonder, Nick, whether, look, other than this podcast, no one knows the decline in Shane Edwards more than Shane Edwards does. I, I think you can read it in his body language mm. when he's interviewed occasionally about playing on he knows. And this is a guy who said, what's the greatest thing in football to him? He said it's making the crowd go, ooh, um, this is a man who understands understands what he had and what he's not doing uh, as much, what, it, what he can't mm. do anymore. And I almost wonder whether he thought, I'm going back out. I'm playing really well. Like, if this is the way I go out, I've had a great game, which he had had a great game, and... I'm going out of my shield, and if I do my hamstring, so be it. Give another kid a go. Um, I, I want to be out there, and if his hamstring was done, it would be his last game anyway. So I might as well finish on the field. Look, that's just—it's a romantic theory. He'll probably play next week, but it is possible that he'll play next week, and he's all right. But he was told, "Mate, you can't go back on this possible free injury," and he said, "I don't care." So, so mm. it. Uh, anyway, that's a romantic theory. No, no backing mm. for it, but. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't mentioned in the post-match injury. But, hmm, no, no, but something something clearly happened, right? So mm. you know, he, he went down into the rooms. Um, so yeah. Anyway, it's it's it's. Oh look, the the what what these guys play with, particularly this time of the year, like for Nick Vlaston to play and play as well as he did after the the hit that he copped uh, to the ribs last week. Like um, um yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that, that's a really. Good, I mean, it's it, it different, quite different circumstance. But yeah, Vossi's Vossi's effort. I, I, yeah, I actually, the, I completely forgot to, their capacity to play with play with uh, pain. I think is is something that we don't we don't appreciate. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Oh well, Vossi especially. Like I, I mm. did. I it was till actually Tigers uh, and uh, mentioned on Twitter. I'd forgotten that he was injured. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to mention with Shedder, um, he wasn't wearing proper um, footy socks. Huh. Uh, he was wearing sort of sort of uh, old, old person uh, compression socks or something like that. <laughs> okay. And the, uh, look, I, don't, I don't have a lot more notes. Uh, I mentioned Noel Cumberland. I thought I thought he 
fit in very well with a with a really high functioning uh, forward line. But um, other end of the ground, Dan Rioli, really good, really good again. Yeah, twenty five touches. Also seemed to to injure himself slightly and wasn't quite as dynamic. Only had third to, uh, after starting with ten in the first quarter. Only had two in the third, where he seemed to roll his ankle slightly. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe a sneaky chance to be rested this week. I don't know, but um, yeah, I I agree though. Um, a very good game overall. Mm. The I think sort of last one we've we've already mentioned him, but the. Trent Co- the, the should Trent Cotchin go on question does feel like it's been made a little bit redundant the last few weeks. Do, do you... I mean, with, with my default with midfielders, I go to the alpha ranking ratings, and he's, he's sort of not in the top 100 um, this year, I don't think, and he hasn't been at, at any time. What, what sort of... Like he's playing really well at the moment, and especially the last two weeks, mm. much and hell, hell yes. But sort of could, and you can take this question on notice. But I, I love watching him play, and I don't want him to retire. But like, like what, what's the analytical underlying analytical case for you saying that? Well, one uh, one of the best guides to uh, decision making is uh, what's your best uh, available alternative in. The, you, you're so, not catching the RCD hype train. No, or, or the or the Thompson down, and you know, and the the rumours of us up, being up to our eyeballs um, in the chase for one of the one of the Giants midfielders. Well, um, then you know, I, you know, it seems as if with with Lambert, um, Caddy and, and likely Shane Edwards coming off the books. There's a bit of uh, salary cap flexibility there. So why why instead of having such a drop off when one of our key mids isn't playing, why not have another key mid? So yeah, I uh, I it, see, it seems a no brainer for me for him to go on. Uh, like spiritually, I'm very much there with you. I think everything has a price. Um, and and th- there is a right price for Cochin, um, and I suspect he'll he he would. Well, like, why would you, you retire if you were him? Well, and if you if you think the alternative is dipping into the the free agent pool, which requires a long long expensive contract for a player who's uh, potentially doesn't fit um, nearly as well, right? Oh, you wouldn't yeah. do that. You 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 try to get a second rate um, uh, insight. Like you'd hope that the replacement for Cochin would be one of uh, well, the GW, GWS guys, and then you'd hope you get yeah, some but you'd, mediocre we, backup. If you if you've got one of the GW, if you can afford one of the GWS guys anyway, which I think we can, then you're then you're having to dip further. But you know they'll likely take a first round draft pick. So you're you're it's someone who you you're getting with a non premium draft pick so they're probably not that great and you know yeah i just i just don't think i i think the alternative is a is a pretty second tier mid who doesn't fit us as well let's let's go one let's go deeper and more premium okay i'm not quite uh, 
that sounds a bit saucy, so I'm not going to go there. But I, I didn't quite, I didn't quite get it. But um, well, um, so but put it put it really crudely. There's not re- the <laughs> the free agents you're going to get. Like it's going to be some uh, Brad Crouch who's playing in in the reserves for a, a team that's miles miles from the finals. Now, first round draft picks potentially going on a Giants midfielder. So at best, you're looking uh, at at trading a second round draft pick and. So already, already you're a bit in the the leftovers bin. Um, oh, and why, 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 why bother? Um, I don't think you like the GWS pick is. Oh, look, this is but but you don't no, repl- I, you, you don't replace Cochin with. Sorry, you go. No, I, I I'm I'm assuming the GWS pick is as midfielder is as well, like as a as a complement to our existing guys, which which is pretty exciting. I would have thought the GWS guy would eventually be Cochin's replacement. Uh, eventually, but I think I think for for next year we don't have such overwhelming depth of midfielders that you can't have them all. Mm. Okay, look, um, I, I'm not going to. Uh, I, I think dying on the hill about Cochin should retire is certainly one argument I don't even want to make. Um, yeah. Um, but the, I mean, the last the, the point is the last two weeks have been really strong. Um, all right. Now, did you? By the way, Nick, have you have you had a recent delivery of anything you want to talk about? Well, yes, I'm. I am happy to happy to say, Andy, that I'm the the proud owner of uh, Richmond Tiger Talk merchandise, which um, you know. Um, if I, if I could, <laughs> if this was a visual mean, I, I would show you my um, very stylish-looking mug. But yeah, thanks, thanks very much to to Ando for. Um, honestly, he did a better job than uh, I expected, and it's great. I mean, maybe thinking about what a good job he does um, with all his stuff, uh, I shouldn't have been surprised, but. Uh, I thought, given well, given the the the, the, sub, the, the, the suboptimal the, the sub, nature what, of the subject, might have dragged him down to our level. Yeah, the the paucity of potential ins- inspiration, but no, he's he's delivered the good the goods. Yeah, he's a talented artist um, and a lovely bloke. Um, also, yeah, I, so the, I, I enjoy his takes on football. Yeah, so we'll we'll link to it uh, again uh, after we post the the show. But yeah, it's a I've got a, a t-shirt and a mug. Um, yeah, I just a thought, just whole range that, of <laughs> merch you can get. Uh, to that point about um, uh, uh, Ando's takes on football, he had a lovely post about uh, Shane Edwards this week that he's hitting he's hitting his best form just in time for finals and he's a big game player. All of which is <laughs> true and a perfectly legitimate take. And you compare that to, to my sort of slightly um, melancholic uh, last Contra- great strands <laughs> um, um, and bagging his uh, socks. So, yeah, um, it's good yeah. to have a bit of positivity um, out there. All right. Yep. Uh, now, there's an AFLW preseason game at the G before... There was look, uh, and, oh, and we're shooting. Maybe we should nod before that because in sequentially before that, Peggy had a last president's function. Oh yeah, which which was which was really nice, and she spoke she spoke well as 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 always. And it's like the Hawthorne had a Hawthorne game, like the contrast in the in the style of of leadership with. Um, uh, with Jeff Kennett, um, where it feels like you're doing the greatest hits when you bring this up. 
Well, the we we were at the the five year anniversary of Jeff Kennett um, announcing at the end of twenty seventeen that over twenty seventeen through twenty twenty two they would win two more premierships, um, and they didn't win a single uh, final <laughs> in that in that time and won well south of half their half their games. Um, but I think the the contrast in the style of leadership of of a very calm, analytical, uh, uh, but structured approach to decision making, and what it is, what it is that presidents can usefully do um, in their role. So commenting on their on their coach in the media, other than to give uh, full support, not helpful. But um, sort of putting putting structures in place to help people succeed i think that that both that um vision but also a relative humility um you know i thought the, 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 something very revealing she did uh, apparently she was very good on the official club pod as well but she, i haven't listened to that but she did a lovely podcast with comrade marshall oh I did, um, yeah i heard that one yeah. and uh oh, yeah. One thing I enjoyed about it, particularly about how Con would have carefully researched these really long questions, and then she'd very selectively only answer a tiny bit of it, and Con had wasted yeah. all this time doing this extra research. But um, uh, I did like the observation she made about how in 2017, when about the sort of the spiritual turnaround in the club and the atmospherics, mm. about how she didn't that she learnt about it partly through reading Conrad's book. Now it being it had happened at least partly through things that she had in, in, introduced, you know, Dimmer's leadership mm. coaching, that sort of thing, but that she was so hands-off on the day-to-day running of the team that she learned about it through Comrade's book. And I thought I thought that was very reflective of exactly what you say, a presidential leading. You know, you don't need presidents out there teaching the players how to kick. No, no, because, because you've been very, very successful... Um, Selling so frozen chickens or whatever presidents have done. Yeah, uh, or real estate, or um, you know, you've uh, you've been involved in in television or whatever, uh, whatever it is, um, running running the big bash league. Um, uh, yeah, it 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 just doesn't matter. Like uh, modern AFL is such a such a sophisticated game and. Presidents have no place in the in the change rooms except looking looking on admiringly uh, after a win. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, my her legacy, her legacy will, will will live on. Um, yeah, we've been, I'm, I'm, we've been very lucky. Um, I, I'm assured there is there are very good succession plans in place. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, look, you you would expect you would expect no less. Um, lovely period. Also, maybe. Remembering, she really stuck fat with Dusty when um, the yeah. media was out to get him. Um, yeah, well, just and there's a she's brought calm, calm and dignity to a to um, a role which <laughs> traditionally uh, across the AFL has had very little of either. Yeah, and like she talked a lot about women presidents, and I saw mm. the Melbourne president, and like this is where stereotypes. Um, people make simplistic stereotypes too easily. The Melbourne president is so different to Peggy. It's quite striking. Mm-hmm. She just she's completely her own person. 
um, as you say, she's 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 probably in the. If there's a more understated president in the AFL, I, I don't know which one it is, but um, always a lovely person, um, and you know has a lovely group of friends, and will will is is not you know the sort of people are talking about her like she's you know like being sent off to a desert island. She'll still be in Melbourne. She lives in Richmond. Mm. She's going to be going to games. Uh, people will be uh, saying nice things to her as she walks past the little London Tavern after Richmond wins for many years to come. Yep. Yeah. Really, really lucky. Um, the You mentioned uh, about the AFLW. Um, they've, they've had two really um, comprehensive wins this week, 44 points versus Hawthorne, um, which which is the, the latest uh, reminder of... Um, how much, uh, how big the the jump up from from the VFLW to the uh, to the main competition is? Um, it really is a big flashback to us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, by the we, way, just they won the VFL last year. Uh, last yeah, year, so and, yeah. and we had a really good run in the VFL the year before we started, and and it's a big leap. Um, yeah, the, um, but so. Yeah, I look at um, we've got. I think we've got Hawthorne and Essendon pretty early on in our schedule, and I think hmm, yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, it, actually, our first our first three games is uh, sorry. In our first four games, we've only got one. We've got Adelaide, but other than that, mm. we've got two expansion clubs and a very good. Our first games are very winnable at Geelong. So mm. I, I was sort of I, yeah. I've come around. I think we've bagged <laughs> the expansion before, but now it's like oh, yeah, we're, we're playing a lot more games where we're not going to suck. That's that can, only be, that can yeah. only be a good thing. I know. It, it's, it's sort of... Well, we may be no closer to a flag, but we're certainly a lot further from a wooden spoon. <laughs> That's true. Um, the, Ad, the Adelaide game... Look, it, it'd be interesting. They've, they've lost a few players, but yeah... That's 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 a real benchmark game. We'll um, the one very encouraging um, Millsy uh, you see um, is still only 18 years old, um, but Second, second year player, um, kicked three goals. Megan Kylie, you know, the second year player, had a had a couple of goals. Um, Stephanie Williams, one of our recruits, had a goal and an absolute fantastic uh, celebration. So yeah, good to good to get some goals out of some non non typical uh, sources, but um, also with the um, the engine room, Mon Conti, uh, Ellie McKenzie. Um, Sarah Hosking, um, all all playing well. So yeah, I think that's it. You know, hard hard to tell. I think until we um, play some better credentialed opposition. But yeah, we've we've got what we needed to out of preseason, and seemingly without any serious injuries. So yeah, it's a tick. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy we're not having the ACL debate on the pod. Oh, I know, and he. Yeah, sorry, that was a dark path. No, you're completely right. No, great, no, but, great, great preseason. But is I, I do wonder if um, that's if playing playing on softer grounds does does help with that as well. Mm. Yeah, there has been, but look, who knows? Look, you, you can't. Yeah, it's too, too early in the season to make conclusions. What one ACL does not prove or disprove anything. Yeah, no, no. looking forward to the Geelong game at Skilled. Um, it'll be good for those people mm. who live in that part of the world, those 
lonely Richmond supporters who may be thinking of swatch, switching over to those, you know, those, those, life, those, those dynamic cats. Hipster li- lifestyle choices. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Danger does do really fun interviews, Nick. Like, you know. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Essendon, Nick. Um, Essendon. Speaking, of, speaking of clubs that are sort of a dark mirror of ourselves. Uh, <laughs> so, if you're wondering how it's going with Essendon, um, when I opened up uh, Twitter when logging on uh, to record this, um, on trending topics, it had Essendon CEO says Brad- Bretton Rutten is still the club's coach. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going well. Uh, Nick, I, I, I need someone like a podcast about Wednesday. I need Cara to do a special podcast about Wednesday to uh, um, to just I, – I, I can't follow it. I don't understand what's happening. It's sort of so up and down and yeah. there's clearly so many leaks. Yeah, it's <laughs> – it's the impression of pure chaos and of uh, changing the president over um, before the last game of the the season. Um, then there's rumours of the coach being sacked and them going after Clarkson. When why didn't they go after Clarkson before? Like he was he was a multi-time premiership coach before. How long does Russian have on left on his contract? Uh, I think it's it's at least till the end of next year. Yeah, so that's a problem, isn't it? Because you've got it comes out of the football soft cap. Yeah. Oh, and and you think uh, they wouldn't uh, be uh, uh, some of the assistants would be on good money as well, and you know you'd you'd assume that Clarkson would want to bring in some of his own guys. So yeah, a, a clean out would be. Expensive and and painful. Yes, but very. I actually don't know if I was Clarkson, I'd coach the GWS. But that, that it, well, this is Apparent, not... apparently there's. Yeah, he's he's pretty set on staying in Melbourne. Um, anyway, this is not the Alistair Pog, uh, Clarkson podcast. No. This is the Essendon. Uh, um, so, is there anything at all that? Gives you pause for concern in this game. Well, uh, as, as no, of they, course there is. They were they were woeful. They were truly woeful um, uh, last week. Um, but yeah, they they have they they were playing some some much better um, footy before that. So you know, sort of the the risk of over over reacting to one admittedly. Um, uh, very bad game. Oh, I suppose they had a bad loss the week before to um, the Giants as well. But yeah, four point four point loss to uh, the Magpies. Um, beat the Suns handily. Beat the Lions up at the Gabba. Beat the Swans. Like they um, uh, beat the Saints by thirty five points. Like they they're all in the in the last two months. So they've they've had some. They've had some good wins. That that Lions win is very well. Both the Lions and the and the Swans uh, are currently uh, in the in the top four. So they they yeah. they're no joke. Um, so yeah, they uh, they've they're they're a younger team. So there is there is a bit of up and down to to how that how they play. Um, it is. Yeah, their, their midfield does 
does rack up some some pretty big stats. Um, when they when they're going well, um, the forward lines um, can be boom or bust. Like Peter Peter Wright's had a had a pretty good year, if if not always uh, consistent. Um, there's you know going, um, Nick Martin's um, just made the the AFL twenty two under under twenty two team. Jake Stringer has, as always, um, had some had some good games, but um, Dylan Dylan Shield twelve clearances on the on the weekend, which is a yeah, big number. Yeah, because she was actually was in, in in that when they were playing well, he was mm. he was underrated, one of the best mids in in the AFL. And I was thinking, and then he, he got injured again. I was thinking, oh, surely he didn't play last week, but yes, he did actually play. Mm. Um, sadly, I missed that that game. Would have been fantastic fun to watch, but. Um, Dar- uh, Darcy, pa- Darcy Parish, thirty-one um, possessions a game. Um, right, yeah, genuinely yeah. good. There, there is an inexplicable crapness to them. I think it's fair to say. They are one thing is they are they are quite young, uh, sort of not super expansion team young, but they're getting to the point where it is harder to win at least on on average age. So I sort of the, the, looking at the flip side of what's our motivation because it's a bit shaky. I've gone through the probably like you, Nick. I've gone through about all the finals permutations and partly for this podcast, and mm. I've got to the point where there's so many different ways you could slice it. There's no point in analysing it because it's just sort of almost anything can happen. There's no uh, there's about five pass and they're almost equal. You know, w- w- within a few percentage points, as equally likely. So there's like analyzing on the podcast is it's not that interesting, but I did think um, the thing that stood out to me is something completely unrelated to that, which is it's very touchy feely. Is Demers' comments in the press conference where he, when he talked about he was still very keen when he was asked about a point between resting and working on things. Now you, mm. you can never say resting because that it implies you don't take the opposition seriously. Um, but he did, uh, and he, he was sort of describing Essendon like they were the four horsemen of the apocalypse rather than <laughs> um, yeah. uh, a, a team not making the finals um, with waning, waning motivation. But he did he did seem, his tone and his language seemed to be that we're going to keep the, the pedal on mm. the gas. Um, and I think that's going to be hard if we do that. You know, I'm actually extremely confident we're going to win, and I'm not even sure it's meaningful, but it, I, I'm pretty confident it's going to be uh, uh, a pretty easy victory. Not not pretty easy, but it will be a victory. Yeah, look, it's you. You just don't. It's it's the worst possible preparation for for Essendon off field, but yeah, you just don't know how the how you know the players galvanised. Uh, by that, or they, oh, and who knows what, what, what are they galvanised for yeah. or against on behalf of the coach? Like who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, you you just don't know. Um, Scott Drape is a big big athletic boy. Um, yeah, and doesn't doesn't win a ton of the ball, but he, you know, he could he could, you know, there's a world in which he's giving first use to to parish, parish and and she'll, um. All, all night, um, which would be a concern. Um, Sam Durham, and out on the wing, um, has had a really consistent season for 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 them out of out of our VFL uh, program. And annoyingly, um, yeah, um, Massimo Di Ambrosio, who we we talked about a fair bit, has 
when he was playing for our VFL team earlier in the year. He's, he's sort of, he had a very bright start, but um, sort of has fallen off a bit then, but kicked a couple of goals on the on the weekend. So, yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a funny team. Uh, it does the consistencies uh, as it is for for younger teams is is a is a definite challenge but yeah i I just think let's put it put it away early um they don't they don't defend very well uh through their through their key backs you know get get the ball down to lynch and, and jack and just make it a make it a pretty simple and relaxing game and yeah i think you know, there's you know, there's a chance of, of us playing, you know, Fremantle, Collingwood, uh, the whoever loses out of Brisbane or, or Melbourne. I we do, we just don't know. But you know, let's let's just take care of our side of the equation, have a good win, uh, on on Saturday. And just you know, let, yeah, yeah, let, let it play I, out. Definitely uh, wrapping up, but I, just two points you make there. And I think that if you look at sort of the, the, the odds for this weekend, there are some walkover games of teams that they put, the bookmakers clearly expect to have given up. Essendon is not one of them. They are still sort of, there's still a, you know, a 20 to 30% chance of winning according to, um, uh, to the bookmakers. And the second point you made, um, which I thought was a very good one, um, you're talking about getting off to an early start. Clearly this is a, Essendon are an emotionally fragile team and mm. like they're talented, but they're fragile. So I think if they get behind, they may well crack again, like accumulate themselves like they did against Port. But on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of emotion, pent up emotion there. So if they do get some early runs, uh, you know, it, it may be a real dogfight. But I agree with everything else you said about the game and um, I'm not too concerned about the, the other results. I just think uh, the Carlton Collingwood game will be fantastic fun and. You know, may they both beat themselves into a pulp and uh, mm. both their finals chances, or or not, in the case of Carlton. All right. No, it, it, it's fascinating. Both Collingwood are playing Carlton in both the AFL and VFL, um, and uh, I think we need we need Collingwood to to beat Carlton and for us to do the job against Frankston. To yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. I was going to bring that to up it, to make it there uh, as well, but. Yeah. And, and so we'll, we'll start, start we'll start strong favourites against um, Frankston, their, yep. their mediocre team. We're playing at Swinburne. Um, the other thing that could help if North upset the Suns, which is yeah. not impossible, if because it, it's in it, Melbourne, it is at Arden Street. Yeah, but um, it, yeah, they're, it, they're not. It, they're not. North, they're not great. North, North North's percentage is twenty percent lower than Frankston's. Yes, but it's still, uh, and um, that's for a separate conversation we're having dunking on North <laughs> o- offline. But it, that's that's a smaller, uh, that's a sort of that's another path to making the eight if the uh, Carlton Collingwood do- one doesn't uh, come yeah, through. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, VFL finals are fun. Well, you can tell I'm, I'm I'm quite invested in us making the VFL finals. But um, so yeah, I'm, um, cross fingers for the boys. Hmm. I'm Nick. I'm Andy. We're Richmond Tiger. It starts with a vision. If we're not locked into that, might as well pack up and go home. You're talking about three flags by 2020. Fitzroy has played in more files than you guys. And after 13 straight losses, the Tigers are no longer toothless.
Palace. Their first win for 2010. Carmel Hunt. Look Jeffrey. He does. Carlton are on their way to Sydney. We're starting to kick a goal from here. He does. What a start. Can he do slow? He's gone. One free kick, surely. First preliminary final in 16 long years, and they have done it. They've won. The Tigers are into the prelim. Tigers.